0: Welcome to episode number 52 of the Exec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Senior Editor of Exec Magazine and our podcast host. PharmaExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Yuval Cohen, CEO of Corbis Pharmaceuticals. Yuval talks about the science behind cannabinoids and how the products are being used by pharma and biotechs to battle certain diseases. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll be back with you Yuval.
1: What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at trueserumntwk.com.
2: Hey, podcasters. Today, Elaine and I are interviewing Yuval Cohen, CEO of Corvus Pharmaceuticals. Uval is here to talk about cannabinoids, the differences between natural and synthetic products, and how biotechs and pharma are using them to treat disease today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Yuval.
3: Thank you for giving me an opportunity to be on your podcast. I'm excited.
2: Oh, we're so happy to hear that and also to have you on the podcast. So what is the endocannabinoid system and how does it function?
3: The endocannabinoid system can be described fairly simply. Um, it is a system of two receptors, known as G-protein coupled receptors, two endogenous signaling molecules, and a number of enzymes that metabolize these signaling molecules. The interest, more interesting question is, what does it do and why do we have it? What it does, in very simple terms, it's a system that helps keep our central nervous system happy and functioning, and also helps keep our immune system healthy and functioning. It's a very ancient system in evolution. In fact, pretty much all animal life on the planet, with the interesting exception of insects, evolved an endocannabinoid system. And the last thing I'll say about it, again, conceptually, it's a system that co-evolved with the central nervous system and with the immune system and acts as a go-between. So, for example, when an animal or human undergoes trauma, it's the endocannabinoid system that then helps the organism or the individual recover from that trauma by liaising with and coordinating a central nervous system response and liaising and coordinating an immune system response. So in summary, it's an absolutely vital and central system to human life and to animal life.
2: Excellent. So um, how do cannabinoids work today and how are companies using them to treat disease? Are there maybe certain therapeutic areas in which they're most effective?
3: endocannabinoids the signaling molecules that we make as human beings cannot be used pharmaceutically Uh, they are uh, very difficult to make synthetically and very short-lived and so what we do as an industry is we have one of two choices we can either use natural cannabinoids known as phytocannabinoids or plant-derived cannabinoids that exist in nature, that are more stable, or we can do what the pharmaceutical industry has done for pretty much the last several decades, which is we invent compounds, we invent chemical molecules that don't exist in nature, but are designed to interact with this natural system. So one example of phytocannabinoids is CBD, cannabidiol. CBD seems to be pretty much everywhere at the moment. It is plant-derived, so animals don't make it. But through happenstance, it interacts with the human cannabinoid receptors and elicits a biological response. CBD, for example, is approved in the form of a drug known as Epidiolex, made by GW Pharma, and it is a drug that works on our central nervous system, specifically in the brains of children With very rare and very devastating epileptic fits. So that's a natural cannabinoid. The other way to tackle this, which my company Corbis, as well as some of our big pharma peers are tackling, is as I said, make synthetic compounds, compounds that don't exist in nature, that are designed to interact with the system. And there we can have a variety of applications. Some of our Uh, peers, target central nervous system diseases or conditions. So, for example, again, epilepsy, but also autism, social anxiety, depression, and traditionally pain. What we at Corbis do, but so do some other large pharma companies, is we focus on the other branch of the system, which is the immune, the immunology branch, where we focus on diseases that involve inflammation and fibrosis. So in our case, for example, it can be a rare autoimmune disease like scleroderma. In the case of Roche, for example, it's a an eye disease known as uveitis, and, and both of them inflammatory, chronic, uh, and both of them being targeted with, again, synthetic artificial compounds that target the endocannabinoid system.
0: So how do you position a cannabinoid in an environment where there's medical marijuana, plant-based drugs, and synthetic therapies?
3: That's a great question, and it starts by, first and foremost, educating um, the consumer, the public, patients, physicians, about the difference between these quite disparate terms. Medical marijuana, or cannabis, is a plant. It contains hundreds and hundreds of biologically active compounds. Many of them are phytocannabinoids, THC and CBD being, of course, the ones that have been studied the most and both of which exist again as pharmaceuticals. We spoke about epidylex, but THC is available as a pharmaceutical drug known as marinol, given to um, people with a typically undergoing chemotherapy to prevent vomiting um, and stimulate appetite. So, cannabis is a very complex plant, lots and lots of compounds. The second bucket, as it were, are purified phytocannabinoids. That's where your pure CBD and pure THC come through. Um, and that's also very complicated. On the one hand, you have absolutely pharmaceutical drugs made by pharmaceutical product uh, companies uh, that are prescription-based, Marinol, Epidylix. On the other hand, pretty much anyone um, living in certainly any major city at the moment may have noticed oftentimes the very same products or products that claim to contain those compounds are available everywhere, uh, whether it's in cosmetics or food or the pet industry. So they really are uh, extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily available, um, and that presents a whole other set of, com- of challenges, of course. It's the third bucket that we and the rest of the pharmaceutical industry focus on, and that's actually conceptually a much easier bucket to understand. Since our drugs have nothing to do with the plants, they have nothing to do with any natural compounds, they are conceptually no different than any other pharmaceutical drug. We invent them, they don't exist in nature, we test them in clinical studies, and finally, if we are successful, they reach your pharmacy shelf as a perfectly ordinary pharmaceutical drug.
0: So are biotechs and pharma providing any education to physicians to help them understand these differences?
3: They are, and I think we're going to see much more of that, because if you think about it, if you are a physician and you graduated medical school pretty much any time since the last five years, you probably never studied the endocannabinoid system uh, in medical school. There really wasn't much of a reason to do so. Um, There were very, very, very few drugs, um, and the way that that biology affects multiple, multiple pathologies was often not very well understood. So quite naturally, they're more important than urgent things to study. That's changing quite dramatically. Again, we now have more and more drugs that are already in the market and will soon be in the market covering diseases from central nervous system diseases to diseases of immunology to metabolic diseases. So that's all gaining tremendous momentum. And I wanted to share with you recently, um, I was present at a very large international uh, medical conference uh, targeting rheumatologists. I think that medical conference probably has ten or 15,000 participants. And there was a plenary session on cannabis and cannabinoids. Um, there must have been at least 3,000 people in that plenary session. Uh, it was literally standing room only. And the reason for that is, Something like probably 70% of rheumatoid arthritis patients in the United States, according to a recent survey I saw, are using CBD oil. So patients are hearing about this term cannabinoids and are curious about what it is. And as you can imagine, the very same patients are going to their physicians, in this case rheumatologists, and asking them in turn, should I use it? Can you explain the biology better? Are these pharmaceutical drugs? Should we think of them as mutants? nutraceuticals, et cetera. And so there is a very strong synergy and thirst for knowledge between both the patient and the physician to become much more informed about the biology and the products that target this biology.
0: I reported on GW's Epidiolex as being the first non-synthetic CBD-derived drug last year. Are there any FDA-approved synthetic cannabinoid-based drugs yet? And do you foresee any issues with getting government approval?
3: Again, we we have to be so careful about the term synthetic. So synthetic, um, sometimes people think of it as it does not exist in nature. That's not necessarily true. For example, you can make a drug called Marinol, which is THC, uh, and there's a bunch of THC drugs out there. Some of them are extracted from plants, although that's pretty old technology. Some of them, you just make them. Synthetically, In other words, you make a natural compound through a chemical reaction. You do so typically for reasons of cost as well as uh, reasons of purity. What is interesting is, and I'm going to rephrase your question, do we have any unnatural cannabinoids? Do we have any cannabinoids or drugs that target the endocannabinoid systems that are man-made, that are rationally designed, that don't exist in nature? The answer is we used to have one. It was called Remanobat. It was launched in 2006 by the French pharmaceutical giant Sanofi. And other big pharma were very closely behind. And it was a drug that targeted metabolism. It was actually a weight loss drug. It's a drug and a class of drugs that was very, very promising. Sadly, two years later, it was taken off the market for some pretty unacceptable psychiatric side effects, and since then, we have not had any new such drugs come to the market. I suspect that's going to change. Again, if you look at ourselves and some of our peers, uh, there are probably about half a dozen programs at least looking at rationally designed synthetic compounds that target the endocannabinoid system that will be ready for at least submission to FDA uh, in the not-too-distant future at all.
2: Thank you so much Yuval for being with us today. We really appreciate you clarifying some of these important points around cannabinoids for our listeners.
3: My pleasure.
1: What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare, as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at NTWK.com.
0: And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs.
3: Hello, I'm Yuval Cohen, and I'm the CEO of Corbis Pharmaceuticals. My leadership tip is surround yourselves with people who know more about specific areas than you do. Surround yourselves with experts and then listen to their advice.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com.